0: Welcome to another episode of You, Me and the Nostalgic Football Podcast from Football Whispers, which each week reminisces about an icon of the 1990s. My name is Tom Bedell and today I'm joined by freelance journalist Ryan Baldy, who's written for the BBC, Guardian and Independent, among others, to discuss the great Zinedine Zidane. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Zizou, we can all, of course, remember how his career ended traipsing off at the Olympic Stadium in Berlin after being sent off for that headbutt on Marco Materazzi in the final of the 2006 World Cup against Italy. It was his final, very defiant, very dramatic act of a brilliant career. But there was so much more to him, of course. How do you, to begin with, sum him up? How do you remember Zinedine Zidane?
1: I think the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Zidane as a footballer is just the elegance, the grace that he played with. Um, And of course, uh, the big moments on the big stages. I think that's. um, something, I'm sure, to a channel as we go through your podcast. But uh, yeah, it's just some really iconic moments in his career and and the way he played with a real ease and elegance, a relaxed sort of nature to him that um, probably we've uh, never really seen before or since that, that same level of, of grace on a football pitch.
0: Grace is a lovely word to describe him, I think. And in contrast to that, there were moments, and we're going to talk about them, where he didn't perhaps show so much grace, he was it, hot-headedness. I suppose is is the nice way of putting it. And certainly throughout his career, that was an issue. Talk to us about that and and where that perhaps came from in 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 Zizou's career because it's inescapable.
1: Yeah, it's something that's always been there. There obviously the um, the more famous flashpoint moments, um, the Matarazzi headbutt that you alluded to, um, the stamp and the France '98 World Cup. That, um, earned a suspension before the final there um but there are also other little moments too there was uh, a time um in his last season with juventus he missed some champions league games because of a headbutt against uh, uh in a game against hamburg um perhaps a product of, of growing up um in, in marseille a, a tough uh, a tough part of the world um Maybe it came from that. Uh, it's just a, a steariness to him that wasn't always sort of outwardly visible, but I, I guess when the red mist descended, um, it, it could kind of take over for a brief second and get himself into some hot water.
0: Yeah, he certainly did. The youngest of five siblings, and as you say, born in, in Marseille, in a notoriously tough neighbourhood. He started out with Cannes, uh, initially signed, came to the club for six weeks and ended up staying for four years. And the first few weeks, I noticed in my research, were actually spent on cleaning duty as punishment for punching an opponent who mocked his ghetto origins. Is that a factor in his upbringing? The fact that he born of Algerian descent, his parents from Algeria migrants that that moved to France, how, how big a part of his identity is, is that he's, he speaks about, you know, his roots and being Muslim and has spoken about, you know, those factors in his upbringing previously.
1: You've got to think it'd be a huge factor in forming him and his personality. Um, the upbringing that he had uh the part of the world he grew up in i'd imagine there have been prejudice prejudice that he fought against as a young man um it's not something i can speak to with any great authority it's something that i suppose the damn um would have to, to speak to himself but uh yeah just for any sort of human being to, to grow up in adverse circumstances and in a difficult area it's gonna it's gonna form into who you are so it's not surprising that there's that kind of um that, that drive to protect himself to, to, to defend his himself and his, his background um, that's going to be a huge part of who he is I'd imagine
0: and when did you first become aware of him when, when did he first cross your radar was it a can or was it a little bit later the the, the first sort of big move I suppose was was joining Bordeaux for
1: uh, so me personally in the in the sort of mid 90s it would have been when he was already at Juventus that he'd have really come on my radar I think I was probably around Ten years old in 97, I remember Juventus playing against Man United and um, scored a goal at Old Trafford, a brain free kick in a, in a the 3-2 uh, win for United. There was a real kind of moment in, in United's own Champions League journey to the point where they, they finally kind of got one over against one of the elite teams in Europe, um, and it gave them the belief to think, they want to win the competition a couple of years later, but that was the the Juventus of, of Del Piero, of Bocic, of Zidane, and, uh, and yeah, as I said, he scored a really good free kick at Old Trafford in, in the dying minutes of a 3-2 defeat of Juventus. That would have been probably the first time I, I personally became aware of it. was a very young, a young, uh, young football watcher back then. Um, but yeah, as you said, he started to make a bit of a name for himself at Bordeaux, I guess, was where the real rumblings and all the transfer rumours started to begin.
0: Well, exactly. A beautiful link there. The, the transfer rumours were something I was going to come on to. The, playing at Bordeaux quickly, won the the 95 Intertoto Cup, much missed, might be a push to describe that competition, but it, it was a thing. Uh, and played with future France teammates, Bixente Lizrazu and Christophe Duguri there, so a couple of big names. But it was it was there in in Bordeaux that he was linked with Blackburn Rovers. I think is the the famous uh, the famous the particularly famous or infamous one. I suppose with the Blackburn owner at the time, Jack Walker, reportedly telling his manager Kenny Douglas, "Why do you want to sign Zidane when we have Tim Sherwood?" And then later, apparently Newcastle made an offer for him, but oh, were were linked with him, I should say, but were uh, turned down, claiming he wasn't good enough for the first division. Apocryphal tales but does that speak for the fact that we didn't perhaps know as much about players playing overseas at that point in the way that we can you know be so aware these days
1: yeah definitely definitely speaks to the era that that it was happening in um you know, the pre-youtube era the pre-blanket coverage of, of european football um you know man united and another one who were linked with them at the time um i'm just reading about how martin edwards tells the story of um that she scout at the time, Les Kershaw, recommending Zidane after watching him play for Bordeaux and uh, even Eric Cantona had, had, had apparently recommended Zidane to, to Ferguson, but Ferguson felt that uh, Zidane was a little bit too similar in terms of style and the part of the pitch he liked to operate in to Cantona and having just convinced Cantonar to stay um, after the whole Crystal Palace um, Kicking the fan incident, uh, he, he felt he didn't want it to undermine Inter, so he decided to leave it and pass on him. Um, and also, he almost went to Barcelona in '96 as well. Um, when Johan Cruyff was still in charge, he would agreed verbally with uh, with the player uh, to bring him in. Um, but shortly after that, Cruyff was sacked, so the, the deal was called off. So there were a few kind of sliding doors moments, maybe for for Zidane earlier in his career that that could have sent him off on a different trajectory maybe um, equally successful maybe not um, but yeah they're interesting to look back on I think what might
0: have been yeah absolutely Man United there the idea of one temperamental Frenchman enough for Ferguson I think rather than having the two of them um, so four seasons with Bordeaux and he as you say had the opportunity to go to Barcelona but he joins Juventus in the summer of 96 and as you you know reeled off some of the names earlier Del Piero, Boxer, et etc it's, it's a hell of a team and he, he wins the UEFA Super Cup Intercontinental Cup UEFA into Toto Cup, Serie A twice, and the Supercoppa Italiana whilst there. He was foreign footballer of the year for Serie A in his first season. How good was he at, at this point? Was he in that top kind of echelon of players in Europe, at that of European players at that point?
1: Yeah, well, he was sort of, sort of certainly elevating himself to that level. Um, I think he was kind of justifying some of the hype that was within the game about him. Um There was a bit of disappointment around Zidane uh, in France, from what I gather, um, after Euro '96, because he was taken to the tournament as kind of the next great uh, player for that that emerging France team. Um, And though France went to the semi-finals, um, Zidane, on a personal level, didn't have the greatest Mm -hmm. of tournaments. He was a bit anonymous, right? Um, So they were starting to wonder in France, um, from what I read. as to whether he was he'd been a bit overhyped and wasn't quite what he was made out to have been, um, but the movie event has certainly kind of put that put that straight and put that those thoughts to bed. Um, he was joining the European champions. He was playing against players of his ilk of his quality uh, for the first time. Guys like you mentioned, Bocic, Del Piero, Vieri, um, reached another Champions League final, um, and as you said, won the Foreign Player of the Year award. Uh, but perhaps. The, the um, indicator that he, he wasn't quite um, the finished article just yet was in the way that he was um, shut down by Paul Lambert in the, in the Champions League final in the 3 1 loss to Dortmund. Um, Lambert really marked him out of the game in a way that um, maybe a few years down the line he might not be able to. Uh, we think it was a Dan. Rightly, as this uh, is, is perhaps the ultimate big game player, the man for big occasions, the man who really does turn up when when the chips are down. Um, but on this occasion, uh, he, like I said, he was he was marked out of the game by Paul Lambert. Um, so maybe that yeah, maybe just showed that there was still still a way to go for him at that point.
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, twenty years later, it does sound kind of ridiculous to say that Zidane was marked out of a game by Paul Lambert, doesn't it? Um, from there, obviously, they'd lost that 97 final, as you say. The following season, they win the Serie a again, make another Champions League final and lose to Real Madrid once more. But by the end of, or by 98, he's the FIFA World Player of the Year and he's won the Ballon d'Or. How big a year without venturing into France yet was, how big a year was 98 for him in in, in his career?
1: It was huge. It was was a time that he really announced himself on the world stage as being one of the absolute elite, if not the best player in the world. And I think obviously the World Cup was the biggest part of that, Um, certainly in that era as well. I think any time there was a a major tournament, it went a long way towards determining who was going to be winning the individual awards at the end of that year. So uh, I think without the the World Cup win, um, whether he would have had enough credit in the bank to to win the Ballon d'Or and the World Player of the Year awards Um, perhaps not but um, once you factor in what he did on home soil with France that year um, he really did sort of announce himself on the world stage and start to start to really write his legacy I think yeah
0: no absolutely well we can't ignore the World Cup any longer and we will discuss that after a short break Welcome back. We're discussing Zinedine Zidane and his fantastic career and at the point that we left it we were just about to start discussing the 1998 World Cup and the impact that he had on France and that win had on his career. Um, Talk to us about France, the team pre-1998 World Cup. It wasn't perhaps a particularly well-loved team at that stage. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? That We can look back on it now. A lot of very talented names that run off the tongue, but they weren't necessarily favourites to go on and achieve what they ultimately did.
1: With respect to what they did go on to achieve, I think it's credited... Um after the fact with being quite a big factor in sort of harmonizing France as a country, culturally and, and racially, um, because there's so many disparate backgrounds coming together in one team. A um, bit of an underdog story, a success story of, of a team really pulling together and overcoming the odds and, and getting that first World Cup on home soil. Um, but yeah, going into the tournament, I don't think they were particularly fancied. Um, certainly not to the level of, of Brazil, who were would, who would going in as a, a one of my favorites, the reigning champions, um, had Ronaldo who was the, the best player in the world at the time um, so France were as as far as I remember it in that kind of cabal of of contenders behind Brazil um, but it was going to take a slip up from from Brazil from the champions for anybody else to be able the chance um, is kind of how it was seen going into that tournament from, from what I can recall.
0: And what was Zidane's sort of position what was his status within that France side you had Obviously experienced guys like uh, Didier Deschamps and what have you and Duguri and so on and others. And then there were younger guys like Henri and, and Pires and whatnot. Where where did he sit within that group? Was he a leader? Was he a star man at that point? Or was he sort of on the cusp of becoming that figure?
1: I think within that, France team, he was the star. Um, everybody else orbited around him. Um, very much so at that stage um, because although Henri uh, was there, he was he was just a kid still at that point, hadn't really developed into the play he would go on to become at Arsenal, still finding himself finding his best position. Um, same, same for Vieira, hadn't really established himself at the same level. So Zidane was the established star of that team. Um, everything ran through him, everything was was um, organized to to get the best out of him. Um so yeah, he was he was the focal point, and I think that's perhaps um, how he was able to go on and, and kind of stamp his mark um, on a tournament without <laughs> no pun intended, uh, respects to the red card. But um, it it really gave him the, the platform to go and do what he did, and to into like like I said before to elevate himself to the level of the very very best players in the world. Um, I think those who were playing with him, those who seen him up close and personal and knew what he was capable of and knew how good he was. Um, and I think this was the point, the point at which um, the wider audience really began to appreciate that.
0: You brought it to our attention there, but it is it's often overlooked that he was sent off in the group stages for a stamp on Saudi Arabia's Fouad Amois, um, and in doing so became the first French player to be sent off at a World Cup Finals. That meant he missed the round of 16 tie against Paraguay. But he was back in time to score in the penalty shootout win against Italy in the quarterfinals he wasn't by any means the the kind of the driving force of the side at this point though is that fair to say we obviously we remember skipping ahead the two goals in the final but other people had you know taken the limelight is that fair to say up until this point for france yeah i think
1: it had to be a collective effort i don't think he was the, the kind of force of nature as a footballer that he would become just yet maybe um, and uh, it might be something we're going we're gonna to touch on shortly as well, but uh, it was probably at best his, his third best tournament as a, as a France player, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, of course, it's iconic for him because of the two goals in the final um, and because he, who it was against. It was against Brazil. It was against Ronaldo directly, another player who he was in competition with to be um, regarded as the best player in the world. Um I think Zidane had actually been third in the vote for the uh, World Player of the Year award the year before in '97, which um, I think Ronaldo won if I remember that correctly. So um, he was kind of rubbing shoulders with, with the elite at that point, and this is uh, really his moment uh, where it kind of crystallised for him where he came. He became the guy, not just for France, but for world football um, in that moment in the, in the Stade of France.
0: We obviously remember his two goals in the final very clearly and you know that was a big factor in in why he's remembered so as such a significant part of this France team and why this France team is remembered so fondly in the end. But as you touched on, probably played a bigger role in the Euro 2000 win and, and dragging the, the 2006 side to the World Cup final. So why is it the 98 team and, and Zizou's part in that is remembered? more, you know, significantly and more popularly than, uh, than, than latter sides. I think it was just because it came
1: first. Um, it was France's first World Cup win. It was on home soil. It was Zidane's first real sort of breakout tournament on the international stage, uh, and it was also, at that, at that point, France was still somewhat uh, underdogs um, up against Brazil. Um, so it was less expected by the time Euro 2000 rolled around. France is the best team in the world uh, at international level. Zidane is the best player. So it was more expected of him, even though, um, in, in my opinion, he was much, much better Euro 2000 from, from start to finish. He was brilliant throughout that entire tournament. And, of course, the semi-final game against Portugal was arguably his best individual performance uh, of his career. Um but if, if you take his performances at that tournament as a whole, you can make a strong argument uh, that, for that being one of the finest individual displays that, uh, at any international tournament um, throughout the history of football. It was really that good. And then in, in 2006, again, um, he's well-established at that point. We know we know who Zidane is, we know what, what he can do. The only question was, uh, whether it being very much the twilight of his career, whether he could still cut it against the, the Ronaldinho's and the Kakas of the world who'd kind of emerged in his shadow and, and, and were with the with hot young things uh, in world football. And, and that was if, if he had any point to prove in that World Cup, it was that. But yeah, uh, the France tournament was just more about it. it's him and France as a whole. Uh, being um, kind of still very much on the up.
0: Let's talk then the 2000 European Championships in in Netherlands and uh, in in Belgium. How important was he in that success for France? And how, what were the expectations ahead of that? Because at that point, no one had. They became the first team, as we know, to hold both titles at once. So how were they viewed ahead of it? Were they favourites, or did he do a significant make a significant contribution to dragging them to that title as well
1: yeah but it was both they were they went into that tournament as the best team the best team there the favorites um but it was a really strong tournament um Holland, the Dutch, had a really, really good team. They were the, obviously on home soil, having shared the tournament with, with Belgium. Um, Italy, who eventually reached the final, were very strong too. Um, so uh, Portugal at that stage, again, another semi-finalist there. They were brilliant, uh, a brilliant side. So um, although France went in as heavy favourites, as, as the most talent-rich team with the best player, um, it certainly wasn't going to be a cakewalk for them. And Zidane was just sublime from... From the kickoff of the first game to, um, and to the moment they lifted the trophy, but he was brilliant. I think he only he scored a couple of goals in the tournament. There's a free kick against Spain in the quarters, and then a, a real uh, clutch penalty in the, in the semis against uh, against Portugal. Um, But it was his all-round game, he was controlling games, he he just couldn't get the ball off him, his control, his skill, his vision, his passing, it's where everything that we knew Zidane could do by this point, we were well aware that he could do all these things, but he just brought them all together at the highest level and was consistent throughout the entire tournament, and and it it was breathtaking to watch, it really was.
0: Yeah. Uh, named UEFA player of the tournament and the UEFA website at the time stated in Belgium and Netherlands Zidane dominated a major championship in a way no individual had managed since Diego Maradona in 1986 is it fair to say that tournament's remembered as his that he was the, the outstanding player and you know the, the force that drove France forward
1: yeah I think so maybe not as much as 98 is but um, it should be it should be more so uh, as we've discussed um, yeah he was, he was phenomenal he was is- Anyone who who experienced that tournament, I'm sure, uh, one of the first things that springs to mind is just how great Zidane was throughout it. So yeah, it has to be regarded as Zidane's tournament, and rightfully so.
0: So after the 2000 European Championships, France have won, Zidane is great again. He moves to Real Madrid in 2001, and it's very much the Galacticos era at this point. You've got Casillas in goal, obviously Roberto Carlos, even. Uh, Fernando, Fernando Hierro Steven Manaman, Luis Figo Guti Solari McAuley Raul, Morientes you know it's it's an incredible team and uh, Real Madrid think you know we need to go out and bolster this team so they spend a world record fee on a Ronaldo and a Zidane Zidane very much in his pomp how good was he at this point and what was his status in the in the European game? Uh, this was probably
1: pretty much his peak That that kind of first year or so at Madrid um again with with the with the struggles Ronaldo was having at the time, um, Zidane was was the consensus best player in the world. Um, went for a world record fee. Uh and and yeah, it, it was it was fitting, it was the Galacticosero. The they signed Figo the year before, they went and got Zidane this year. Um, you can see what they were trying to do, what they were trying to build and and it was it was a huge statement. There couldn't have been a bigger statement to go and spend that kind of money on on that kind of player. Um, and yeah, I mean, he lived up to it in those first couple of seasons. Uh, won the won the Champions League in two thousand and two, scored that phenomenal volley in the final at Hampton Park against Bayer Leverkusen. And um, yeah, he just you know lived up to the hype. It was um, an interesting era for Zidane as well because. Um, He's kind of a fascinating, fascinating player to look back on because I think um, our memories of Zidane sometimes paint a rosier picture uh, in, in hindsight because we remember those moments like that goal in the in the final. Um, but the, but there were the times where games were passing by, he was drifting out of games, and there were also times where it felt like seasons were passing by, and that certainly happened a couple of times in Madrid, as it as it had at Juventus once or twice. Um, but, but for those first two years, I think he produced his best goals, returns particularly, um, uh, specifically um, that first and second season, of Madrid scored 12 goals in all competitions, which was um, the, the equal best of his career, equal with his last season at Bordeaux. So you, this was Zidane at his peak. Um, Whether, yeah, there were flashes before, there were flashes after. This, this if you wanted to take Zidane um, and demonstrate him at his best, just show somebody... That 2001 or 2 season, I think. I think that'd be the one that you'd you'd want to define him by, and to really catch him at the peak of his powers.
0: Yeah, 2001 mention mentioned it there, but the the Champions League final winner against Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Hampton, wasn't it? The stunning volley, stunning technique, again, clutch player, clutch moment. Is it fair to say that we remember him as much for the these moments, these you know inspirational moments, and kind of fill in the rest or forget the rest? Of his, you know, the periods in between where he maybe doesn't do as much, and as you say, seasons and games passing by, or, or is that is that not, it doing him a bit of a disservice? But I think
1: that's fair. I think for all that he could do, and he was a wonderful player, there wasn't much he couldn't do. You know, he's wonderfully balanced, two great feet, uh, a great creator, um, a scorer of great goals, never a great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals and a scorer of important goals. Um, Although he was never quick, he was still a great dribbler, tremendously skillful, um, breathtakingly so. You know, so good in tight spaces. As I mentioned before, always knew where the space was. He um, he wasn't. It wasn't particularly consistent. Um, certainly not as consistent as you would hope um, a player who is widely considered to be one of the very very best of all time would be. Um, and I think there was a level of inconsistency. Even though he could, he, he, he certainly could put it together for long stretches. He could put it together for entire tournaments at a time. Uh, there, there were great seasons as a whole. There were, as I said, there were a lot of seasons that passed him by too, and a lot, of, a lot of games that he drifted in and out of and beyond be the periphery of. I think um, if you look at the uh, standards by which guys like uh, Messi uh, uh, are um, upgraded now. Um, where every game is on television, every game is, is quite a big event, and there are no kind of off days permitted. Um, I do think we kind of uh, remember Zidane and, and the high points of his career and kind of yeah, gloss over those, those periods of uh, inactivity or um, relative ineffectiveness um, because we knew what he could do and how good he was. Um, and how the, he did have certainly have the ability to run games to stand his authority on games um, but I do think it yeah it, as you say it's kind of glossed over the fact that he didn't always do that um, and perhaps he didn't do it as often as you might like but then you know, like we said he had the clutch gene he showed up when it really matters so I guess um do you want a guy who's going to be seven out of ten every week, or do you want a guy who's going to be ten out of ten in in, in the moments that really matters? I guess that's a, that's a matter for debate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a debate that's going to going to rage for some time whenever his name is brought up. We'll be back in a second to talk about the two thousand and six World Cup and the the very end of Zidane's career. After a quick break. Now, obviously, this is a '90s podcast, but we are going to go beyond as we have already into the that decade, into the 2000s. 2006, after the disappointment at uh, 2002 World Cup, was just briefly mentioned this. They obviously crashed out in the the group stages and didn't do especially well at Euro 2004 either. Two thousand and six then. By this point he's actually come out of retirement. Uh it's a France side that's seen Lizarazou, Marcel Desailly Claude Makélélé, and Lillian Taram retire. He's captain now at this point. Um he drags them to the final. Is is that a fair assessment that he's he was pretty much the the force that pulled them, you know, through. They weren't Maybe the team they had been in the past, and I don't think the expectation was that they were going to reach a World Cup final, was it?
1: No, for sure. Um, it, it was a really interesting period for, for, for French uh, international football. At this point, um, the, the generation who won the World Cup with with, with Zidane in '98 was still kicking around, but they were very much getting on by that by that point, uh, and, and a lot of them had had retired from international football too, so they weren't there. Um, so Zidane. Uh, but, the, but the guys who were younger at that time were, we're still kicking around, guys like uh, Thierry Henry um, and Pierre, I believe, were still there too. Um, but they were also coming off the back of some really disappointing showings at tournaments. You had um, the abysmal defence of the, the World Cup and the uh, um, European Championship titles in 2002 and 2004, um, which were, frankly, embarrassments for for, for French football, Um Kind of on and off the pitch, with our discord, um, fallouts with managers, uh, factions uh, within within the within the dressing room. Um, so Zidane coming, as we said, out of retirement for this one. Um, at least on the pitch, uh, who knows um, how it played out uh, behind the scenes? But he, he did seem to kind of knit them together. Um, just Zidane, his best is all about connecting um, the, the the back of the pitch to the front making midfield and an attack, uh, unite in, in, in the kind of smoothest way perhaps we, we've ever really seen. Um, and that was what, what he did at this World Cup. He was just phenomenal. He's never been a quick player. Um, but he, he basically walked through this one. Um, but, but nobody could get near him still. Uh, his control, his touch, his vision, his, his spatial awareness. That, so that was the thing about Zidane. So he had, he had, Perhaps, you know, one of the, the, the greatest first touches we've ever seen in in football. Um, what made it so great was the fact that it wasn't just bringing the ball under control. It was always moving into space. He was always moving away from a defender or, or into a position where he can make a make a pass or, or take a shot. And uh, that was all still on full show, even though he was well into his 30s at this point. He was playing in his, his last few games as, as a professional. Um, he, he just kind of pulled, pulled a few performances out of the bag that uh, for the ages that are... Uh, you know, still were, were able to kind of define him uh, and, and add to his legacy, which is just remarkable to be doing that at that stage after so many years in the game, um, so many, so many big tournaments come and gone. Uh, to still be able to, to pull performances out of the bag like that, uh, up against and alongside much younger players, uh, yeah, it really does kind of cement his legacy. Um, uh, that uh, it, it such a late stage of
0: his career. He'd already been named the best player winning the, the golden ball prior to the final. He'd scored and assisted against Spain in the last 16, assisted for Thierry Henry against Brazil in the quarterfinal. A Brazil side And we mentioned, we, we had dedicated our first show to him. Ronaldo still had him at this point and scored a penalty winner against Portugal in the semi-final. You talk about him being a clutch player. How... True is that of him in this in this tournament that he came up when came up big when France needed him most and and, and why and how does a, a player like him do that consistently because it's it's not just this tournament it's throughout his career that this has been true isn't
1: it yeah for sure it's, it's one of his defining characteristics it's one of the things that that makes him stand out above some of the other players in the conversation with being in his kind of all time category um, in American sports they often talk about the the clutch gene, um, this, um, this thing that certain players have whereby they always kind of show up uh, in the big moments and, and they just don't miss when it really matters. Guys like Michael Jordan, uh, have the clutch gene um, someone, I guess you could say maybe Kawhi Leonard uh, as, as a more recent reference um, and Zidane had that uh, it was just within him the, that kind of coolness under pressure never never doubted himself for a second if there was a penalty to decide a game he was the only one taking it uh, uh, you know like you said the Penenka in the World Cup final penalties and semi-finals against Portugal in 2000 and then again, again in 2006 uh, even the game against England in Euro 2004 which wasn't a great tournament for France mm, but of
0: course, yeah. and that
1: game he had the free kick in the in the dying seconds that he scored and then the penalty and you know, he, he vomited before he took the penalty he was he, I guess for exhaustion or illness whatever it was but he still put it away I mean he was the guy you wanted on the ball when 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 the chips were down when 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 it really mattered and invariably, he came up with the goods and, and 2006 he just proved that 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 clutch gene was still very much part of his dna yeah
0: absolutely i'd forgotten about the say euro 2004 not classic for france but that last sort of whatever it was last 10 minutes that the free kick and the pen to, had to have the balls to stick that away the way he did was was quite something unfortunately for for those of us of an english persuasion um so the final then it's unavoidable. Seven minutes in, it's all going quite well. Sticks the penalty away and off the underside of the bar. France are ahead and it, he becomes only the fourth player to score in two World Cup finals. Um, all going to plan. And then the moment that he he bows out on that it, it will never be forgotten regardless of all the incredible things he did in his career and the, the trophies he won and the, the, the things he achieved. He absolutely plants one on Marco Materazzi. The theories have been thrown around. I think uh, there's a kind of agreed version of events that we're not going to delve into. How enduring is that image of him walking past the World Cup, you know, captain's armband off, I think, you know, head bowed and he, he's walking out of football then and there. It's And it's, it, it's such a... He's obviously done wrong, but it's such a sad image as well, isn't it? As he sort of, you know, I think the realisation... Is, is dawning on him of what's just happened? Yeah, I mean, it,
1: it is a sad, sad um, image because, despite the, the indiscretions of his of his past that we talked about, the, those flashpoints where the red mist descended and he couldn't control himself, he was always kind of the kind of player he rooted for because he was he was quite unassuming in his personality. He was obviously extremely confident, but he was never never brash with it, never overly outward with it. Um, he just went about and did his thing and he was, a, he was always a team player too he was never selfish um, so he was the kind of player I think um, footballers certainly appreciated if you know they either adored playing with him or, or wish they had played with him but I think the same is true. Fans as well. He was the kind of person you always wanted on your team because not only could he entertain, he was a, he was a true team player as well. Um, so to see him, you know, it, by no fault, of it, uh, nobody's fault of his own. Um, so you can't have too much sympathy from that point of view. Um, he lost control and paid the price for it. But um, yeah, when you're thinking about yeah, it was one of those moments because it was the World Cup final. You knew this was his last game. It was kind of the point of where his legend was was being written before our eyes, and to see that kind of ending um, placed on it was it was a bit deflating. Um, you know, no matter who you're rooting for, I think um, nobody would have denied the fact that 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 oh, a second World Cup win where he had kind of come out of retirement, he'd um, yeah. almost come back from the dead or come back from being forgotten and being surpassed as, as one of the the, the greats of, of the modern game by, by some of the other names we've mentioned before to go and win that final would have been a really fitting end to a, a really storied career. Um, so yeah, there was, it was definitely, there was a degree of sadness to it. Uh, and it was just a shame that, that it ended the way it did. but, but, but also that, that was, that was who Zidane was. So maybe it was fitting in that way. He, he that was part of his makeup. So um, yeah, he, he went out, you know, lived by the sword, you died by the sword, do not you?
0: Finally, before we finish today, we're just going to discuss our favourite memories of Zidane. Uh, Ryan, starting with you, how do you remember him? What's the, the iconic moment or memory that you have of, of a glittering career?
1: There are so many great moments for Zidane, so many great goals uh, in big moments. I think for me, what I go back to when I think of Zidane at his best as being one of the best players of his generation, it's, it's that Euro 2000 tournament. So I think that's when he put it together um, for the entirety of the tournament on the highest stage. Um, delivered to the fullness of his potential and just showed what he was capable of and, and showed himself to be just better than everybody else at that point um, and did so in such an unassuming, and matter-of-fact fashion. I think that really summed up who Zidane was, what he could do um, and, and how, he, how he'll how he be remembered as a player.
0: For me, I'm just going to... It's not a particularly good memory for me, but it's pretty, it's pretty iconic, pretty standout to me. The Euro 2004 group stage match, England-France, I was... I'm obviously, I'm obviously a little bit younger than you, but I would have been 12 at the time and I just remember his penalty and the, well, the free kick first and the penalty being such a kick in the guts, I think, as a young England fan at that time, watching what would have only been my sort of third major tournament at that stage and the absolute, you know, the slabs to stick the penalty away, and as you said rightly said, the he had, he did throw up beforehand, but he still composed himself to tuck the penalty away and to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat like that it was quite something. And although they uh, France obviously had a pretty wretched Euro two thousand and four, it was a it was a standout moment of that tournament uh, as a whole. Well, that's Indine Zidane, one of the great. Playmakers, one of the great midfielders of his generation and a, a player who, while perhaps not posting the figures that we associate with players of his ilk in this era, was undoubtedly one of the best of his own era. Thanks again for joining us for the second episode of You, Me and discussing the great Zindin Zidane. You can find the previous episodes on various platforms, including Spotify and SoundCloud. The first episode was on Ronaldo R9, If you've got any recommendations for players that you'd like to hear us dissect, then do tweet us at Football Whispers, which is at FB underscore Whispers, and we will endeavour to cover them in a future episode. Ryan, thank you very much for your time, and we will speak again soon. Take care.